so we're going to talk about, uh, when we get into the Wetsiki, some are called, but some are sent. So that's an important concept that we'll look at. And that we all actually pursue something. We're all looking for something. We're all pursuing something in our life. And dwelling in and with Christ is, is really our goal. So if you go to the, the next slide, this is the part that, uh, that, you know, I've been trying to throw out these study points um, and how to break down scripture, how you can study scripture for yourself. When you read it, God will allow you to do this work. So uh, on your page, you have, um, so you'll have some, some blanks. The blanks will always be, in this case, uh, the, the red dotted bullets. So in this case, you've got uh, then stay, right, with, with that. So if the obvious, so, so we're gonna talk about pronouns for just a second. Uh, for a few minutes. And pronouns are like, I mean, there's lots of different types of pronouns. There's subjective pronouns. I, he, she, it, they, we, you. Um, objective pronouns like him, her, me, them, us, you. Uh, d possessive, demonstrative, interrogative. I found this on the internet. I didn't, I don't know this. <laughs> uh, already assumed that. In, interrogative, okay. <laughs> Indefinite, relative, reflexive, <clears throat> intensive, all different types of pronouns, right? Uh, but but it's really important to get your pronouns right in Scripture because if you're not careful, you can come up with some bad doctrine, right? You can come up with, it has doctrinal implications. So this is easy. If it's obvious who the pronoun is referencing, then stay with that. The next day, John, after John, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, so his is a pronoun, who's it talking about? Well, John, right? So I actually left these verses kind of in the same way on your page so you can draw a line if you so choose between his and John. Okay? You with me so far? So far so good. Okay, go to the next one. Some sometimes you have to contrast other scriptures to triangulate the one that's to determine who's being talked about, right? So the next verse, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, well is he Jesus walking or is he John walking, right? Well, we know from John early up, earlier up in the verse, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So Jesus is the one coming. Jesus is the one walking. And you say, Mitch, this is really basic, and I'm not sure why this is important. Bear with me for just a moment. So we know that Jesus is coming, so the he that's walking is referencing Jesus. Okay? Still with me? All right. So the next point is also sometimes you have to use other scriptures to triangulate who's being referenced. So there's another he. So you, you can you can imagine how if you're not careful, you can get the wrong he and him pointing to the wrong people. Are you tracking? Mm -hmm. So and looking upon Jesus as Jesus walked, he saith. Well, who's he? Is it Jesus saying, "Behold the lamb of God?" No. <laughs> It's John saying, behold the Lamb of God. Do, do you see why it's important to get your pronouns right in Scripture? We know that from John chapter 1 and verse six is, verse six, verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Excuse me. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. And there's other references as well that point to the fact that John is proclaiming the Lamb of God. He's still with me. Mm -hmm. So he, in this case, is John. So 
Again, tradition has kind of taught us this, that Jesus is walking and John sees him, John standing with two of his disciples and points out Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God. That's not hard. That's actually why we're covering this here is because it's pretty straightforward. Okay, if you go ahead and advance to the next slide. But it gets a little bit more complicated, believe it or not. And the two disciples heard him speak. Well, who spoke? Jesus? They heard Jesus speak or they heard John speak? Well, the only one that's being recorded here is John saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Okay? So the pronoun may actually reference somebody farther up, sometimes later, but that's very rare, farther up than just in the same verse. Right? So the two disciples heard him speak, the only one recorded here, actually speaking as John saying, Behold the Lamb of God. And they, and we'll see that in a second, follow Jesus. So that they is referring to the disciples. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. It's important to get your pronouns right. Because if you don't get your pronouns right, you got Jesus self-proclaiming. You've got John walking with his disciples. And, and that maybe isn't the, the most critical doctrinal effort, is who was standing and who was walking. But it starts to matter when they start to follow Jesus. Jesus is in motion. Okay, so now we're going to start. You can see the implications here is Jesus is in motion in our lives. And we need to follow him as compared to standing still, right? I mean, you can see you've got to be, you got to have your your pronouns correct. So if you go to the next, so otherwise, generally the pronoun, so you've got these kind of principles. Otherwise, generally, it's not a rule, the pronoun references the last clearly identified individual. So when we get to verse 38, and Jesus turned and saw them following, the two disciples, and saith unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi. So the him and the them, because one's singular and one's plural, right, are clearly different people. So Jesus and they, the disciples, said unto him, Jesus. Jesus is the last clearly identified person in this verse. So it's not actually saying unto John, they're saying unto Jesus. Are you with me? I know, like I said, I hated English class. And these probably all have names. And maybe you liked English class and you know what those names are, like interrogative and whatever, all those fancy words, indefinite, relative, reflexive, intensive, possessive, demonstrative. Sounds sounds like dopey and sleaze, sleazy, <laughs> sneezy and all the, I don't know where that came from. Lord, forgive me. Um, so here's another example. We'll do this real quick and then we kind of need to move on. But this, the reason this principle is important is we're going to actually pull our doctrine and our application in our lives based on who is being talked about. <laughs> it's really important. Notice, and, and this is just a, another example I pulled out. So in Acts chapter 9, and there was a certain, so don't click yet, Jamie. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, uh, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So you get down to this, it's pretty straightforward to get down to this last verse in this passage. 
putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. You've got four pronouns, and you've got to make sure those are right. So click once, and there's some animation here, hopefully. Maybe? Oh, yeah, there we go. Anani so, and to him is Ananias. The Lord said to him, and to him the Lord said in a vision. So that was pretty straightforward. Click it again. And he said, who said Ananias? The most, the one that was the most previous spoke about, right? He said, so this part is pretty easy. Go ahead, click again. And the Lord said unto him, who? Ananias, right? Arise, okay, click again. And go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Well, it's the most immediate one is Saul, not Judas. Judas isn't the house of Judas. This isn't Judas Iscariot, but this is Judas. It's not referencing that Judas is praying. <clears throat> Saul is praying, right? And then click it again. Uh, and, and, and now this is where it gets a little interesting. Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him. So Ananias puts his hand on him that he might receive his sight. All refer back to Saul. Have I thoroughly confused you? No. Yes. Some some of them yes. Some of them no. Okay. I'll rewatch it later. Yes, we'll re-listen to it later. But you've got to have your pronouns right in Scripture. Because you'll have the wrong people doing things and the wrong implications on that. And honestly, this is how some people twist scripture. And you need to be confident in the application. So let's go to our lessons. So these are the practical lessons. The disciples of John listened to John's voice. He said, behold the Lamb of God, right? John said that. Jesus didn't self-proclaim. John said that. So you must hear the voice of the one who has watch care over you. It is necessary for you to listen to your pastors, those who have responsibility over you, to make sure they're pointing you the right direction. But also when they do, you, you need to hear that. Now I chose, I chose the word here. You must hear the voice of the one who has watch care over here. Watch care over you. Very, very specifically chose that word because sometimes those of us, like I have watch care over you all, that's my responsibility to teach this class, this fellowship, I can be wrong, right? So it's my job to point you to Christ and it's my job to, to, to counsel you. I was counseling with the gentleman this morning. It's my job to do those things, but I could be wrong, he was asking a very specific question. Do I do this or do I do this? And I said, ultimately, I can't answer that question for you. Okay? It's important that you hear the voice, but that doesn't mean you have to dogmatically take everything I say as, yes, master. I don't know why my arms are out like a zombie. Yes, master. I don't know. It's like Scooby-Doo or something, right? It's not like that. You, you should hear the voice of the person or people that are over you. But you need to balance that and, and contrast it with Scripture and what the Holy Spirit's working, right? They heard John say, behold the Lamb of God. He didn't say, now go follow him. He just simply, John, just simply pointed to Jesus and said, the Lamb of God. Behold, there he is. The disciples made the decision to follow, the disciples of John made the decision to follow Jesus. But they needed... John to point Jesus out, okay? 
So the command to go or to follow someone or something else is real. Notice in 1 Kings chapter 18, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. He didn't say, follow me. Right? Now there is spiritual precedent for that. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So there is a component of that. But Elijah doesn't say, just follow me. He said, follow the Lord. And that's what John does here as well with his disciples. Because John still had a job he had to do in not following Jesus directly. Right? We saw that in, in earlier in, in John chapter 1. He's, it was his job to proclaim Christ. It wasn't his job to follow Christ. So let's apply it to our, our situation today. It's my job to teach in this class today, but some people are out ministering in other ways, right? Some of you were able to do things. I mean, Teresa was at the book. You were, weren't you? You were at the book uh, counter and the sales stuff today. You know, Brian was was uh, was leading praise, and 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 Paul was doing praise too. I think, and so we all have like different things that we do. I can't stop what I'm doing here to go do some of those other things, even though they're super important. Like, you need to do those, right? You need to work in the cafe this morning, I think, uh, and, and do those things. I, I can't, it's not my job to do those things. It's your job to do them. So sometimes I have to say, go, and I'm staying put. And sometimes I have to say, follow, and we'll all do it together. It's a really important spiritual principle. Notice in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 and 3, as they ministered unto the Lord, even, so, so go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 13 for just a moment. In Acts chapter 13, and start in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was in at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, which had been brought up with the uh, up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. There's all this inter uh, cross cultural, cross uh, geographic, cross political lines. All they were all working in one church. They were all leading together in one church. Notice in verse two, as they ministered, all of these folks above, right, to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, it's interesting. It isn't recorded as saying the Holy Spirit says, separate ye out Barnabas and Saul. He's not talking to directly to Barnabas and Saul. He's talking to the entire leadership team, all of the pastors there. And he says, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. So there are certain missionaries. I I know a missionary today who's on the field that went to his pastor and said, I am not I am not surrendering to this mission field. He says, I'm surrendering to the mission field. Now where should I go? Wow, that's pretty different than what we normally we have a burden for a people group, we study it out, we take a few trips. No, this dude went to his pastor and said, Hey, I know the Lord wants me to go. I trust that you're going to send me the right place. Wow. That's, a, that's faith. That's faith. And, they, and, and once the Lord did the work, he sent, they sent them out. They sent them away. Again, we have our pronouns. We've got to keep them straight. Who was the they? 
the, the first day was all of those pastors sent them, Barnabas and Saul, out. Right? And then notice in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Right? So Paul, even in, and we saw this in our study in 1 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, follow these things. He doesn't just say, follow me as I follow these things. Irrespective of what I do, I may fail you. And, I'm, I'm, and I was talking as Paul right then. Right now, as Mitch Dobson, I will fail you. I will not say the thing that you need to hear at some point. I will not love you the way you need to be loved. I will miss it because I'm, in, I, I'm human. I'm, I'm going to mess up. And I'm sorry. I wish I batted a thousand on that. I don't always. There's time when people need a hug and I don't give it. There's times when people kind of don't want a hug and, I, and I'm like, can I give you a hug? And they're like, yes. You know, I mean, it's like, I'm going to mess up. But follow these things. Irrespective of what I do, you all follow these things. Okay? So listening, hearing the voice of the one who has watch care over you, they should always be pointing you to the Lord. They should always be pointing you to the Lord. So that's our first lesson. Our second lesson is the question itself from Jesus. What seek ye? What seek ye? <clears throat> and it's interesting because seeking starts with a desire. <clears throat> it starts with a desire. Now, there's all sorts of things we can desire in our life, right? I, I know that some people, they want to have a certain car or a cert, live in a certain zip code or whatever, and they start planning. They start, they start doing the things in their life to accomplish that goal, right? They're seeking the goal. Well, the seeking of the goal has to start with identifying the goal. It has to start with the desire to do it, right? And there's all sorts of things. Sometimes, um, you know, a spouse can be a desire, to have a spouse, or a, a proverb, you know, the boyfriend, girlfriend, a, a, a companion in life. Sometimes it can be kids. People really want kids. Sometimes it's the perfect job with the corner office. It's the it's the X number. I remember I was teaching this uh, a few years, this kind of this concept a few years ago, and I said, finish this sentence. I would be successful if, and one guy said, I made six figures. Like that was the thing that he defined as successful. If he made, so he was living his life in pursuit of that desire that if he could make six figures, I guess, I guess after six figures, everything's okay in life. I don't know. But um, he was in the mindset that if I got there, that would be okay. It starts with a desire. Notice, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Well, what's she do? She eats because she desired it. Like it wasn't, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of teaching on, on what the, you know, most, like, like history would tell us as an apple tree. I, I generally believe it was great. But like it wasn't a, 
like a fig tree. I, I, a fig tree, I just didn't sound really good. Has anybody had a straight fig? Yeah. I like fig newtons. Yeah. Are they good? Are figs good? What is it? Yes. No, no. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> like, like, it's not desired. I don't wake up thinking about, but I, I mean, I have, like, I, if it was an orange or an apple or a grape tree, like, I'm down with that. Those are desirable things for me. <laughs> it was desired, right? She wanted it. It wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't your, you know, Aunt Betty's casserole that she brought to Thanksgiving that nobody touched or everybody took just a little bit to be nice, but then they really didn't eat it. Like, it wasn't that. It was the thing that she wanted, and therefore she pursued. She made a decision. In her mind, it was worth having, right? Notice in Job 13, surely I would speak to the Almighty and desire to reason with God. You know, Einstein is quoted as saying, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. Einstein said that. And he came up with really cool things like equals MC squared. And he said, I want to know God's thoughts. Man, there's something in man that would like to speak to the Almighty and to reason with God. That's a desire. In Psalm uh, 10, verse 17, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble, Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou will cause them to hear. In Psalm 37, if you could uh, advance, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I remember somebody sharing this with, with me and talking about the dual application here. So be careful, because if you delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the, 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 his, you know, the, the retro Mustang, because that's the thing that you desire, or the Corvette, or the house on the hill or the the whatever right that that's not necessarily what the verse means like if you desire delight yourself also in the lord he may give you some of the tangible desires in of your heart but the other better application is if you delight yourself in the lord he will literally put in you the right desires he will give you the desires of your heart he will change your desires from material to eternal. He will change your desires from temporal to the spiritual, right? He will reflect on those things and make them better than they actually are. Lord, all my desire is before thee. Psalmist just lays it out there. Like, it's just my desire is before thee. You know my heart. The desire of the righteous is only good. Hope deferred make the heart sick, but when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. When you actually reach that goal, when you accomplish the thing that's set in desire in your heart, when you seek it and you find it, man, it's like a tree of life. It wells up. It's a blessing, right? The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, <laughs> Michelle's going to laugh. I love, I love when I finish a project. That's why she laughs, because it doesn't happen that often. Like, I get it done to a certain point. But when I'm finally done and I can step back and I can go, wow, that's cool. I did that. Now, most of the time, she's like, no, you're still not done. It still needs to be painted. Or it's still, like, this needs, you're not quite done. But in my mind, I'm done. But when the desire is accomplished, it's sweet. It's sweet. So make sure your desires are the right thing because we're all seeking something. So you should seek the right thing. We even touched on this last week. But notice Psalm 19, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. And some of you already sing in the song. But judgments of the Lord are the things to be desired. And that sounds like kind of, I don't know, counterintuitive. That we would want God's judgment. That sounds very, oh, you, you don't talk about God's judgment. Well, actually, according to this, they're sweet. They're to be desired. Because what that means is he's correcting me in my life. Don't do that, Mitch. Well, don't judge me. Well, it's actually better for you if you don't do that. <laughs> like, life is going to be better. You're going to have less drama. You're going to be more fruitful. You're going to be more profitable for the things I've created for you if you don't go there and don't do that. And I think it's so interesting that so many people think of, of, of the Bible as just a series of don'ts. They're actually a series of warnings, <laughs> In scripture, the whole point of the Old Testament, really, from the law and that sort of thing, not the entire Old Testament, but that perspective is to show man's insufficiency. You can't do it yourself. You need a savior. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek ye righteousness, seek meekness, that it may, uh, it may be, um, I'm sorry, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Literally, you could be protected from the Lord's judgment. I, I find it very interesting. A lot of Christians today uh, are really fighting politically to, to, to keep God's hand of protection on the United States. And really what they mean is economic protection. What they really mean is probably, it may be some persecution, but they like their lives the way it is. But what they ought to be praying is, Lord, your will be done. Just keep me under the shadow of your wings. May, it may be that I'll be hid in the day of your anger. In the day of your judgment, let my relationship with you be right enough that I trust you. That I trust to walk. Yeah, even like, a, like Hananiah, Zechariah, and Mishael said, you know them as um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, hey, if the Lord, if the Lord doesn't deliver us out of the fire, so be it. But we're going to trust him. We're, we're going to go into the fire. We're going to trust him. And we're all seeking something, so seek the right thing again. In um, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Like, there's places to seek God and places not to seek God. Like, I'm not going to seek the Lord on the, on the street corner unless that corner is 39th and Walnut. Like, I'm going to seek him here. I'm not just going to go out and try to rationalize whatever happens in life as if God's at work. Now, maybe he is using circumstances. Maybe your flat tire is to get you to a point where you recognize the Lord's at work. But maybe the tire's just flat. Maybe. Amen. And you just need to put air in it. And he wants you to interact with the person at Quick Trip when you get air. Like, maybe that's the way he's working. Maybe it's not some great sign from God that, you know, X, Y, or Z, that his judgments are on you or whatever. Just seek ye out of the book of the Lord. Like that's where he's going to that's where he's going to teach you. That's why I, we spend time in these lessons understanding how to divide uh, um, divide scripture and how to study it. So this brings us to our third lesson to dwell together. Now I think it's really interesting that Jesus says what seek ye because we're all looking for something. Now some people when they were following Jesus they just wanted food, right? Right? There's a whole host of people that were following Jesus because this dude can make bread 
for everybody out of just a few loaves. Or he can get fish by just saying the word, right? By praying. Some people, that's what they follow. They follow Christ because of what they can get out of it. But Jesus says to these two disciples, what seek ye? And their response is really interesting. It's up on, it's up on your page. Um, and then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, what seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being, being interpreted master. So they've already put him in a position of authority. And then they said, where dwellest thou? Yeah, if I could have your address on that, Lord, that'd be great. No, that's not what they're asking. They want to know where he's dwelling because they want to align themselves. They want to literally abide. To dwell is to abide. They want to abide with Christ. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 15 for a moment. John chapter 15. This is very interesting when Jesus is talking about himself. And he's talking about being the true vine and, and his father's the husbandman. And, and, uh, and we're going to pick it up in verse 4. Um, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, no branch, I've cut a lot of branches down, I've laid them on the ground, and they never produce fruit after they're cut off. Never. They don't even grow anymore. They wither up and die. The branch cannot bear fruit, of it, bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, unless it's attached. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. If you want to have life and you want to have nourishment, you've got to be connected. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. This isn't necessarily, although there is a doctrinal implication about eternity and hell, there is a, a, just a practicalness that we can't do anything outside of Christ. We, we, we think we can, but we can't. So for any kind of connection of life and nourishment, any of that, we have to be abiding in him. And we'll talk more about what, what that looks like. The application of his word and the lined mission. Look in verse 7. If ye abide in me and, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. The mission, Lord, what would you, like, I, I need you, Lord. Show me what to do. And he'll answer. He'll give you direction. In verse 8, talking again about fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Notice those two concepts are the same. Disciples bear fruit, actually. In verse 9, you continue in this passionate, sacrificial love. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. You want to abide in Christ? Give yourself to the ministry. <clears throat> Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your dollars in some cases. And look, I'm not asking you to give more money to the church so that we have more stuff to do or people get bigger salaries. Give it to the fatherless. Give it to the fatherless fund. Give it to the kids in, in, in Malawi. We'll use it to, to bless them. They will receive it. Or the kids in, in Costa Rica. But we're going to tell them about Christ in the process of, of delivering the value of whatever that buys. Right? 
continue in his passionate, sacrificial love. If you give of yourself to the Lord, I guarantee you he will bless you. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a check in the mail. <laughs> you might. And you might get it at just the right time you need it. But he is willing to bless you. And then keep his commandments in verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. You want to know how to abide with Christ? In part, keep his commandments. Don't, don't try to apply your own rationale. And then go to the next slide. These two verses are just beautiful. I, I, I didn't know how else to close other than to just put them on the screen. One thing have I desired of the Lord. So you have this desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. Right? We already saw. What seek ye? What's your desire? What do you, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire at his temple. And you say, wait, Mitch. I do know how to count. That's three things. To dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire at his temple. That's three things. But as scripture says, it's actually one thing. All those things are that You can't separate them. They're inextricably linked. You can't separate dwelling in the house of the Lord, beholding his beauty, and inquiring at his temple what he would have you do. All those three things are one. You want to dwell with the Lord? You want to be that close where he says go and you go. And then behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Like that's one of the principles of our ministry here is that we will protect the unity of the brethren. We don't take kindly to division here. And I, and I mean that with all respect. Like if you have a problem, because problems, we're human, problems are going to bubble up. But we're going we're gonna to work to the end of the day, to the end of the earth, to solve, to remediate, to reconcile those relationships. Because both of you were worthy enough as a child of God for him to die for. So we're not going to have one better than the other. We're not going to let one despise the other. We're going to fight because it's beautiful. It's good. It's pleasant. It's wonderful when we dwell together in unity. And when we dwell together in unity, all those other things are going to abide in Christ. We're going to be fruitful. We're going to listen to his word. We're going to be able to execute on the mission together. So if you go to the last slide, Jamie, you need to listen for the charge. Sometimes that's going to come from a, a mouth of a person like me. Behold the Lamb of God. It's going to be pointing to scripture. It's going to say, hey, you, need to, you really need to consider this. And in some cases... You have to decide how that actually plays out. You have to connect with the Lord. How does that play out in, in, in execute? And you need to seek with the right desire. We can seek with the wrong desire. We saw it with Eve. It was desired to make her wise. She didn't need wisdom. She needed obedience. Right? And ultimately, we need to dwell with him. If we dwell with him, all those other things are going to show, they're going to manifest themselves. Like, just to be with Jesus. Lord, I just want to know where you live because if I can just hang with you, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. If I can just hang with you. I don't know where everybody in this in this room is and their relationships with Christ. Like, some of this maybe even sounded foreign. I don't know. But I would encourage you, please, please, do not pillow your head tonight. Do not continue to seek the things that you think are filling are fulfilling to you. 
the only thing that is fulfilling is a relationship with Christ. That is the only thing. And that comes with terms. Not conditional terms, but just terms. You have to believe on him. You have to understand that you're a sinner and that he's a savior. And hey, this relationship can work. He's in the business of saving sinners from their sin. He loves it. He loves that relationship. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your guide. So if you don't have that kind of relationship with him, I'm, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to implore you, grab me, text me, get a hold of me. We will set up time. We'll stay after. Whatever needs to happen for you to understand that a relationship with Christ is the very first step. All those other things can be added unto you. Like all the, seek ye first the, the kingdom of God, a relationship with Christ, and everything else can be added. But everything else predisposed or pre, uh, is, is, is predicated on a relationship with Christ. If you don't have that relationship, the, nothing is going to fulfill you. It may fulfill you right now, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get weary and something else will pop up and then you'll want that and it's a whack-a-mole desire. You're just constantly seeking after uh, numerous uh, desires. So I just implore you, please, please seek the Lord and dwell with him. Let's pray.